Hey there, good morning, grace and peace to each and every one of you. It's Captain Roger with the Salvation Army in Grass Valley. I'm here to uh, share a little worship and study with you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us online. If you would like to join us in person here in Grass Valley, you can find us at our Alta Street location between uh, 11 a.m. and about noon every Sunday morning. And uh, it's great to come together in person because you get to see all the slides and you can interrupt me halfway through whatever I'm talking about and ask your questions. Otherwise, post them at the end of this. We'd love to hear your questions or read your questions as the case may be. Now, as we cross the midpoint of the book of Acts, we're going to spend some time looking at an in-betweener. Now, in-betweeners, those are those little passages, sometimes a single verse and sometimes a paragraph or two that fall in between two better known stories. Sometimes they don't get preached on because they aren't seen as being key parts of the narrative. Other times they get skimmed over as being part of a larger story, and sometimes they're just neglected and ignored altogether. Now, I love in-betweeners. It is in them that we often find the most interesting, most human, and most revealing things. The stuff that can really help us see the real life going on inside the Bible. Now, <clears throat> there's a quote that has been attributed to dozens of different authors that says, Life is stranger than fiction because fiction has to make sense. And I think one of the reasons people tend to skip over or gloss over the in-betweeners is because they have those oddities and inconsistencies in them. And as we work our way through the passage today, you're going to see some of that at work. Sometimes people are inconsistent. And we don't like that and we get upset about them being portrayed that way, but it's true. Each and every one of us has our moments where we act in a way that's completely the opposite of what we say or which is different from how we usually would. It's part of being human. It's also why we shouldn't focus on people as our main reason to do or not to do anything. Instead, we need to keep our eyes focused on God. God doesn't do things the same way all the time, but God is consistently the same in his love and ideals. So what we need to do is trust God, not people. All right? But the people of God are often the agents who teach us what God is like. So we're going to start today by checking in on some of those people. Uh, grab your Bibles, flip to Acts chapter 15. We're going to start at verse 36. Acts 15 starting at verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, that's nice. We got these two brothers in Christ. They'd been together. They'd faced so much together. They held one another up in so many things, and they want to go see how the people that they met on their first journey how those, how those people were doing and what they were doing with the message and the teaching they'd been given. What was that message? Well, fortunately for us, Luke really distilled it down for us when he wrote Acts. Their message was to love people and seek unity. And as an addendum to that, the law of Moses has been replaced by the law of love. So just focus on the law of love, right? Now, Paul had even written all that in this whole letter that we call his letter to the Galatians. Uh, which gave all the details you could ever need to make sure that everyone remembered and kept those ideas right at the forefront of their thinking. Let me just pull a couple of lines from that this morning. This is a, 
uh, Galatians 1.10, he says we shouldn't be worrying about pleasing people. We need to focus on God. And Galatians 2, uh, verse 6 says God's impartial and he loves everyone just the same. And Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15, uh, we could sum it up as saying we should always love and serve others and not bite at one another. And Galatians 6, verse 1 says, look, even if someone screws up, just bring them back and restore them gently. What a great message. Love people and seek godly unity in all things, remembering that God loves everyone equally. Love one another without snapping and gnawing at each other. And remember, if someone screws up, get in there and fix that relationship as calmly and as gently as you can, getting back to that love and unity. Wow. Paul and Barnabas, the teacher and the encourager. What great role models, huh? So they get together and they agree they're going to go visit these churches they left behind to see how things are going. And they sit down to start planning for their trip. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Wait, wait, what? And this phrase here, sharp disagreement, it's the Greek word paroxysmos, meaning a spasm of strong emotion. In English, it's a paroxysm, an, an overcoming, uncontrolled urge or violent attack of feeling, as in, uh, in a sudden paroxysm of jealousy, he threw her clothing out the window. Or, um, he exploded into a paroxysm of rage. What it means is that these two partners in peace got into an argument, and that argument got so heated and so big and so uncontrollable that they split up. On uh, August 19th of this year, just a few weeks ago, the annual Edmonton, Canada Soccer for Peace rally promoting world peace was canceled after two supporting groups, about 400 people altogether, began fighting with each other. It took more than 80 riot police from the Edmonton Tactical Squad, uh, think uh, Canadian SWAT teams, to separate the two groups. Uh, several of those rioting were hospitalized, and nearby buildings and vehicles had their windows smashed. The organizer of the Canada World Peace Soccer Tournament said, They didn't follow the rules. <laughs> That's a great quote. He also indicated, indicated, he indicated that the tournament's goal is to promote community, love, and peace, not, and I quote, stupidness. Now, Paul and Barnabas seem to have lost track of their goal as well, and the stupidness is sending them in whole different directions. Barnabas sends for Mark, and Paul sends for Silas, and then each team goes its own way. Now, I don't want you to think that these relationships are permanently broken. We don't get the details, but we do know there's reconciliation. Paul's growing reliance on Mark is shown in some of his other letters, as is his love and respect for Barnabas. But in these first days when tempers are still running high and feelings and pride may still be wounded, they are going to go deliver that important message of love and peace to different parts of the world away from each other. Barnabas takes Mark to Cyprus. 
where they had gone together with Paul. And the two of them had family there in addition to the gatherings of believers. So seems like a good fit. Now, Paul and Silas, they went a whole different direction. They headed north up to Syria and Cilicia near Tarsus, Paul's hometown. And then they turned west from there, heading back into Galatia, which brings us to Acts chapter 16. Right at verse 1, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Now, do you remember Derby and Lystra? Derby is where Paul and Barnabas had gone after Paul had been stoned in Lystra. They had established large groups of followers of the way of Jesus in both places, and it probably took several weeks, possibly even months, for them to get to Lystra from Antioch, where they had set out from. And I can't say for sure, but I bet the way that Paul and Barnabas had cut each other off weighed on Paul the entire time as he's up there with Silas. He'd let his temper rule instead of the spirit. And that wasn't the person that he wanted to be. That kind of division, he had taught against it over and over. And now here he was living it out because he had followed his own arrogance and pride instead of the voice of the Holy Spirit. All the things that he had embodied in that argument were things he had referred to as being the opposite of God's ways. In uh, Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, he'd said, The acts of the flesh are they're obvious. There's sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Wait a minute, what's in that list? Discord, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Those things defined that fight and the way that they had felt the need to cut one another off. I'm sure Paul wanted to blame someone else. Maybe it was all Mark's fault. Maybe it was all Barnabas's fault. Or or Satan. Maybe the devil made him do it. Yeah, that I... Oh, but no, we make our own choices in this world. The devil's only power is to lie to us. Our actions are our own. We follow God or we don't. And in this case, Paul didn't. Now, I mention this because I think that division is weighing on his mind as he considers how to proceed with sharing the gospel. I don't think that anything has changed as far as what he believes. But I think he's considering a more measured approach than he has taken in the past. And as he and Silas are interacting with this young disciple named Timothy, Paul's wondering if he's making it hard for some folks to hear the message. Verse 2, the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, Paul had been in Lystra twice before. Once on the way through to tell people that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah who brought salvation for all people. And then once uh, when he and Barnabas had backtracked through everywhere they visited, well, they headed home. And Timothy had become a follower of the way of Jesus during one of those visits. Based on what we know from other places in scripture, it's Paul who brought him to Jesus. And we know Paul's stance on circumcision, right? Not only did he teach against it being necessary, but he'd also written against it fairly strenuously in that letter that he sent to this region. This is from Galatians 5. Mark my words. 
I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ and you've fallen away from grace. Wow, Paul, <laughs> I got to soft pedal anything there, huh? But then here's Timothy. His mother was Jewish, but his father was Greek and his father apparently had objected to his son being circumcised. So it hadn't happened. And his father is described in the past tense. So he's no longer a factor in this decision making, but Timothy is an adult. At least we think he is. Timothy may have thought of himself as a Gentile, or he might have just simply been abiding by his father's wishes, or maybe it was just a never factor in his life uh, during or after his father's death. Now, Paul, he was actively discouraging circumcision because he wanted people to know that it wasn't necessary. But to the Jewish people in the areas Paul was planning to go, Timothy would have been considered an apostate Jew, someone who was Jewish, but who was refusing to follow Jewish customs. Timothy wouldn't have been allowed into synagogues and people who were Jewish wouldn't listen to his teaching or be willing to spend time with him. If he was traveling with Paul and Silas, they wouldn't be allowed into those synagogues or into those circles of people either. Now, within a few years, three or four at most, Paul is going to write his first letter to the Corinthians where he includes this sentence. He says, uh, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Now, it's not exactly a shift but perhaps it's a little more pragmatic than his just saying, look, it's not needed, just don't do it, right? That was his position in the early days. Something James had said in his decision may have had something to do with, do you remember, remember back uh, to James saying, look, there's no reason for the Gentiles to abide by Jewish traditions, but if they would stay out of those temple feasts and their associated activities that offended the Jewish believers, that was needed, James understood that his practices could be difficult for the Gentiles, but and he wanted them to know that their practices could be difficult for him and people like him. And couldn't they just all share some consideration to make sure they could all get along? Just get along. What an interesting idea. Just get along. How many people out there think that they could just get along with someone, even if that person disagrees with you or does things that you don't necessarily agree with? Can you still love them with the love of Christ? Now, Paul's looking at Timothy like he's an asset. But he's only an asset if he can participate, which he can't unless he's circumcised. And sure, Paul could just say, oh, to heck with those guys, we don't need them. But is that the most loving approach? And Paul didn't want to see more people cut off. He didn't want to see anyone cut off. So he had Timothy cut off instead, just a little bit, just enough to become like a Jew to win Jews to Jesus. Reclaiming his Jewish heritage by following through on the most basic of Jewish traditions was to earn the right 
that Timothy could tell people about the Messiah and what it meant to be a follower of the way, specifically tell the Jewish people. The Gentile people probably didn't care one way or the other. And you know what? It worked. With a circumcised Timothy in their company, Paul and Silas went on to new places and they were able to bring the message of Jesus to Jews and Gentiles alike. Not just one group or the other, but two Jews and Gentiles alike. Look, Acts 16, verses 4 and 5. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, what were those decisions? Those decisions were what we just talked about. The, the, the look, you don't have to follow Jewish traditions because you didn't grow up in the Jewish faith. You're a Gentile. We expect you to live as a Gentile. Just stay out of those temple feasts. Keep your worship confined to the things of God. And don't do these things that offend the Jews. And hey, Jewish people, it's okay for Gentiles to be Gentiles. Don't offend them by trying to force them to be Jews. That was the decision. That was the decree. That was what the Christian faith was trying to do. It's integrating these two groups that don't agree with each other on some of the most basic things into one body. By following the traditions of their Jewish faith, Jewish believers were allowed to share the message of Jesus with their people. And by abiding by the decree from James, Gentile believers were able to fellowship with Jewish believers. And by meeting together, the gatherings were strengthened in faith and growing in numbers. And this is going to encourage Paul to go further into new territory as he tries to live out the command of Jesus that his followers be his witnesses to the end of the earth. So... What can we take from a thing like this little in-between story of peacemakers fighting? Of people who say that ritual isn't needed, following ritual. And of people trying to avoid anyone being cut off by having a, a little something cut off. Well, how about this? People are complicated and messy and consistently inconsistent. Fixing your eyes on people and trying to use them as witness that is going to keep you in church and keep you on the path of Jesus, it's not going to work. Not at all. Ever. But God is consistent. His message never changes. The witness of Jesus about how to live is consistent. The example he gave us is recorded for us to learn from and try out, to experience the truth of, so that we can put our trust in its consistency instead of inconsistent people. I should point one of those fingers towards me, huh? Yeah. Be a follower of the way of Jesus. Not of Paul, not of James, not of Barnabas, not of Roger. Follow Jesus. Don't follow a particular church or denomination or a sect or a Bible translation. And if one person or church or denomination or faith idea should turn out to be wrong or broken or unfaithful to the way, then you can see that it doesn't matter because your trust was in God, not in those things. Are you with me on this? I hope you are. If you've got any questions or comments or dissensions, post them wherever you're seeing this video or email them to me or come on by and let's sit down and talk about it.
I'm always willing to take someone out for a piece of pie, cup of coffee, and a little chat. Even if you don't agree with me. All right? Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the way that you have established reliable, consistent models for us to use as markers that we can steer by. Those models are you, your word, your son, your spirit. Because, Lord, you are the only consistent thing in this inconsistent world. We know that there are a lot of times that you do things differently, especially from person to person. You reach us all in different ways. But, Lord, you always draw all of us to a single consistent point, a single consistent conclusion. And I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and not be distracted by all the other things that say that they will lead us to you. Help us to just follow you. Lord, I know that uh, you have promised us this help. You have promised to guide us. You have promised to lead us and to bring us home into your kingdom. I pray that uh, we would claim those promises and live them out. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, whoever you are, wherever you think you've got to, keep this in mind. You have nothing to fear because God is with you wherever you are, whatever situation you are in, God is with you. Go with God. Grace and peace to each and every one of you in the coming week. See you next time.